Hey everyone, welcome to Librarians Assemble, your premier audio resource for all things libraries and comics. As always, I'm Josh Stone, and once again, returning to the Librarian Dome, the the Thunderdome of, of comics, is the Queen of Indies, the Amazonian warrior of the local comic shop, the one, the only, Angel Gitzinger! Welcome back, Angel! Hello, hello. So it has been many moons since we have talked and many moons since our listeners have heard from you. Yes. So please inform us, Angel, what's been going on? Lots and lots of work. Tons mm. of uh, new comics. Yeah. Uh, other than that, <clears throat> expecting a baby in two months, which yeah. is starting to freak me out. I can see how, <laughs> I can see how that would have that effect. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's about it. Work. Very cool. How are things... How are things down at, at the at the local comic shop? They are good. They are good. Uh, Boynton, uh, the Boynton branch celebrated its two years. Oh, uh, really? Already? Wow, that went fast. Yeah, it flew. For those who have, have don't know what we're talking about, Angel works at one of the best, if not the best, comic shop in all of South Florida. We're talking, Ooh. of course, about Tate's Comics. Yeah. There's a location in... Was it technically Lauder Hill or is it? Yeah, Lauder okay. Hill and Boynton. Boynton Beach. <clears throat> Lauder Hill's anniversary is 23 years next month. 23 years. Can you believe that shit? It's crazy. That's crazy, man. Yeah. I got I to gotta be honest, because we grew up in Palm Beach County, I didn't know about Tate's until I was much older. Yeah, I, think... I had no clue until like... Five years ago? Yeah, I, I was gonna say about the same. Like I think I came back. Like I went away for college and when I when I moved back. Yeah. Then I had heard about it. I'm like, where the where were you all my life? Exactly. Why, well, and it's funny why was I like, going to that other other comic shop that won't be right. named on this podcast? <laughs> my uh my husband, who was my best friend at the time. Oh and I was like, How the hell have I never known about this place in my whole life? What was going on? <laughs> so yeah. And I've been going there ever since, and then I started working there. I know, yeah. That that one in Boynton, the the our baby of of them, if you will. Oh yeah, is doing really. It's it's nice. It's a nice little one. It's it's, it's popping, and Wednesdays are crazy now. Oh, like oh good, so you got you got yeah. regulars and everything coming in. Oh yeah, so, well, and then the the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers comic came out a couple weeks ago, oh, and shit. so that was like chaos. Really? Was it really? Cover for each ranger. Oh, yeah. oh yeah, up. the whole tell, thing. Tell us all. Tell us a little bit about that. Let's <laughs> let's hear a little bit about how Power Ranger Day went down. The Power Ranger Day went down in that we thought we had ordered plenty of comics. Mm-hmm. Order pretty heavy on comics, and then by one p.m. on Wednesday we were out. Are you kidding me? Really? Gone. Wow. Like it's not just the variants, like the variants that people go crazy for, like the White Ranger variant. Um, Online, I want to say it was going for like two seventy five, but we had it at one fifty, and we sold out first thing in the morning, like Jeez. by eleven o'clock in the morning. Holy mackerel! And you guys open at like ten, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> Holy, that's like an hour, an hour, and you were out of Tommy. You were out of Tommy. Out of him. Oh, Tommy. Green Ranger was gone. By... Other Tommy? No, all the to- Tommy's the best. You know, I have a story about Tommy real quick. <clears throat> For for the people listening at home, here's a little insight as to what's happening. If I if you're like, wow, I know Josh is a little late with this podcast, but he seems really jazzed up. What's going on? <laughs> well, quick insight. First, we're recording this a little later than usual. It's a Tuesday night that we're recording this. I I usually have to work on Tuesday nights, but I'm I'm off this Tuesday night, so that's awesome. Secondly. It's pri- it's New Hampshire primary night, so I'm watching these results come in. I know I'm not going to say who I'm pulling for because I don't really want a bunch of angry tweets coming my way. But, I, <laughs> but everyone who listens knows I'm liberal, so there's only one or two choices there. So yeah. so I think you can figure it out by by that. Um, so I know I'm also this will give it away. I'm probably going to be disappointed tonight. So I've already started <laughs> drinking. So <laughs> so I got some I got some booze in hand. I'm podcasting with my homie Angel. And now I'm going to tell a story about about when I met Tommy. So I met the Green White Ranger at Supercon a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. And this is how I met him. He had just done his little speech up on the stage. and was a really good speech. Oh, we got a visitor. Nora's coming in. Nora the cat's trying to get in at the microphone. <laughs> um, 
So it was a really good speech. He did his little presentation. And then I was in the crowded hall and I'm like, man, I got to go to the bathroom. So I beelined it out and I headed to the restroom. And you know who else headed to the restroom? Tommy the goddamn <laughs> White Ranger. And we, si- we stood next to each other and urinated. <laughs> and then on the way out, I was like... I, on the way out, I was like, I didn't, you know, because I didn't talk to him while the business was happening because no. I got etiquette and whatnot. That's but on the way out, I was like, I love your show, man. And he was like, oh, thanks, bro. <laughs> and then we walked out. And that's my Tommy story. So finish telling me about Power Ranger Day. Uh, so, yeah, the by the rest of first day sold out. And then I want to say it was Red <clears throat> sold out. And uh, then all of okay. a sudden it was like, oh, we've got no comics. No, no more Power Ranger comics. We had everything else. All right. All right. Hold on a second. My, my liberal is going to show. So the boy, so we, we went out of a boy comic, variant boy comic, and then another boy comic. Yes. How long did it take for Pink and Yellow Ranger to go? Were they the last ones to go? They were, they were the last ones Sons to go. Sons of bitches. <laughs> you disappoint me, South Florida comic book fans. They were the last ones to go. All right. First of all, Yellow Ranger was great. She was. Second of all, I had a major crush on Pink Ranger, and I know... Most other boys my age did, too. Yeah. So what's up? What's up? If you can't get it for progressive sake, why can't you pick it up? Because you know you had a crush on them when you were growing up. For the majority, though, everybody that came in picked up one of each if they were there. True. Um, There weren't many people who were only one or two. But if they were picking up one or two, yeah, they did. They did kind of pink and yellow. That's bullshit. I call foul. I call foul. Pink sold out before yellow did. See, I... I can get that, but I'm I'm I I understand that from the point of view that I'm sure ninety percent of the people who bought them had a crush on her. Oh yeah. As a kid. Didn't we all have? I think we all had. Did a we crush. all have? So it wasn't just me. So it wasn't just me and a couple of my. Stevie, oh, I know. Stevie I did. I know my husband did. Okay. So. All right. Hey. <laughs> What's up? We'll start a fan club. There you go. I all like right. it. So real quick, I mentioned I was drinking. We have um. Tonight I'm drinking Shark Bait, which is a wheat beer from the Miami Brewing Company. That's a little bit of a shout out to my friends over at the Beers, Bros, and BS podcast. Dave, the big librarian, has been on the show a couple times. He runs that podcast, and they always drink local brews and talk about them. So that's my little shout out to them, if you're listening. Also, I highly recommend anything from the Miami Brewing Company, if you're in the Florida area and can get your hands on that. So, Angel, we're not here to talk about what I'm drinking. Oh, no. Okay. I was like, oh, no, we lost Angel. (laughs) Okay, we're not here to talk about what I'm drinking. Angel, we're here to talk about iZombie. (laughs) Oh, shit. I keep talking about what I'm drinking and you're pregnant. That's a dick move. I am so sorry. There are people who are going to tweet me so hard. Like. it, is under assignment that the day I give birth, you better bring a bottle of red wine to the hospital. Oh, shit. There's going to be people listening. Are you planning on breastfeeding? They're going to come down on you, bro. Whatever. Okay. Whatever. All right. Hey. <laughs> She'll give out her Twitter handle at the end of the show if you, you know, stick around and look for it if you want to, you know, holier than thou, thou tweeter, you know? That's your yeah. call, listener. Okay. We're here to talk about iZombie. So Angel and I are going to get together and do a podcast probably about once a month, maybe. And it's going to be like a book club podcast. And we're going to talk about stuff we're reading, which is generally what we do when we get together the podcast. So Angel and I are huge iZombie TV show fans. Yes. And so we decided, why not talk about volume one and two of the iZombie comic series, as well as whatever thoughts we have on the show thus far. So Angel, had had you read um, iZombie prior to the homework I gave you? I had. I you had. had. Okay. Because I didn't think you did, and this is this is a joke for long-time listeners. I didn't think you did because it's not an image comic. It's published from Vertigo. So yeah, I, I'm Vertigo. So <laughs> I thought, oh, it's probably too mainstream <laughs> for Angel. <laughs> okay, so you had read them before. Have you read the entire series? I have. Okay. I'm ashamed to say I brushed up on one and two and didn't realize how much I had forgotten. I can see uh, that. I mean, I think it's partially because I read it before the series came out, the TV series came out, and so some of my brain was like, "Oh, wait," you know, 
what happened to some of the stuff that happened in the TV show. And then I'm like, oh, wait, that wasn't in the book at all. Yeah, no, I, I can see how that would happen, especially since the TV show. And, and I'm sure this isn't news to many, many people, but um, the TV show and the books are incredibly different, almost two completely different things. Yes. So for the sake of brevity, the only similarities between the TV show and the books, from what I know thus far... The sh- the book and the TV show are called I Zombie, yeah. And the main character gets visions from the brain she eats. Yeah, that's about it. That's the extent. Okay, so Angel, since in our little pre in our little pre show uh, meeting, you happen to know when this thing was published, making me look like a fool. <laughs> Do you want to give a little background on Volume One and Two? All right. right. Take it away. I'm going to mute my mic so people can't hear me clear my throat. Go for it. No worries. So the first uh, volume, Dead to the World, uh, the the series actually was started in individual issues in 2010. But the first volume trade was called Dead to the World, and it came out in 2009. Or, sorry, 2011. My bad. Yeah, you better fix that. Yeah, I know. Don't make me unmute my mic and come (laughs) in here just to lecture you. I don't remember which issues it was. I'm pretty sure it was like one. I can one. tell you that. It's one through six. Okay. And basically it was kind of your like little intro to the iZombie world. And the main character, her name is Gwen. She is a grave digger. That's how she finds her, her brain. She only has to eat them like once a month, which they don't tell you how she knows she only needs to eat them once a month. They don't I- really go into that. I assume she learned the hard way. I'm assuming. But uh, she has some buddies named... Oh, by the way, um, real quick, sorry to interrupt. Um, Spoilers. Angel and I will be spoiling the TV show and the book series. Right now, Angel's just doing a brief overview. So after after Angel's done with her brief overview, prepare prepare yourself for spoilers. So if you need need to pause and come back to us later, I understand. I'll take it a little personally, but I'll, I'll welcome you back when you're ready to come back, okay? And All in right. fairness, it's been out for five years. And then there's that. <laughs> then there's that. I guess the spoiler warning was a little bit more for the TV show. This is true. Because I have things to say about the latest... Well, what, is it the latest episode? I guess the latest episode is coming out as we're recording this right now. Yeah. But last week's episode, I have some stuff to say about. Okay. Okay. Sorry. Um. So, yeah. Dead to the World kind of an intro to the life of Gwen. Uh, she has two main friends, uh, Ellie, who is a ghost from the 60s, <laughs> and Scott, a la Spot, yeah. who is Wear Terrier, which is hysterical. Wear Terrier, I know. I love it. It's, uh, it's so funny, dude. But yeah, so it's kind of how the book starts out. Mm-hmm. You're kind of learning that she has to eat brains, and she's a grave digger, and... And this is set in in Eugene, Oregon, correct? Yes. Yes. Home of the University of Oregon. Exactly. Right? Yes. Yes. Sorry. College football is kicking into my brain. The brain that she eats when we first meet her is that of a person that was killed by a serial killer. Mm -hmm. So it kind of turns into a whodunit type of thing. But not quite in the same way as the TV show, for those listening. No, no. Not in the Veronica Mars way. Not in the Veronica. I see, and I feel like they're Buffy-esque in the TV show, like the, the Scooby Gang. <laughs> I well, had, did you watch Veronica Mars? I did. Yeah, I feel like I don't know, man. I feel like the TV show is a continuation. I feel like sometimes <laughs> when I'm watching the show, I'm like, oh, so Veronica Mars got turned into a zombie. Yeah. And, like, this is just what happens now. Like, this is just Veronica Mars' <laughs> new life. Like, I, it's, I can it's so similar to me that, like... But I, I get the Buffy the Buffy correlation, too, and that's that's, oh, a, yeah. that's a damn valid point. Basically, oh, yeah. if Buffy and Veronica Mars were, were, you know, in a relationship together, this is what, <laughs> this is what they would be like. Yep. And that would be a hot relationship, by the way. Very make that make that happen, CW. <laughs> you own both properties, don't they? I mean, I think so. Yeah. All right. Anyway, okay. So that's volume one. We meet all the main characters, and we meet 
a guy that we think is kind of a, a bad guy, but maybe he's not. So the serial killer you were talking about actually happens to be a creature similar to Gwen. Yeah. I don't know exactly what he is yet. You might. I, I he's some he's not quite a zombie, right? He's a different type of thing or not what? Quite as well, because technically Gwen is what they call a revenant. Um, no, that word can't be used anymore unless there's a bear attacking Leonardo. Because <laughs> um, I know from well, from what I gathered anyway, zombies are more of like a body without a soul type. Yeah, thing. there was like an oversoul, an undersoul. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, there was a lot. There was a lot to keep it's up on. Revenant, which is a body that's been taken over essentially by like a disease, but mm-hmm. has both their over and under soul. So their feeling and their brain. Okay. So. All right. Yeah. The entire time I was reading, I was like, mm, my Sunday school teachers would not approve of any of this. <laughs> not so much. They're not very so. disappointed in me right now. A yeah. revenant, according to the dictionary, which I remember looking up a while ago, listen, I'm sure at some point in my life I knew what a revenant was. All right, I got I got goth street cred, but maybe I forgot over the years because I'm an old man. But so it is a visible ghost or animated corpse. Yeah. All right, so that is what he is, she. and I guess she is too, right? I guess uh, I guess that's more what she is. Yeah, that's more what she is. Yeah. Okay, so he tells her what I liked was he tells her that. Um. By eating only one brain a month, she's actually doing damage to herself. Like, that's just the bare minimum she needs to survive. Yeah. But she's actually losing connection to her previous life. Her previous life. And that he, whatever kind of creature he is, by taking lives, is actually able to remember the millennias in which he's lived. And so he's kind of like... I guess he... You're more in, like, a Dracula boat at that point. Yeah, yeah. I guess he's, like, he's kind of, like, trying to mentor her, it seems like. He's going to be like, listen, I only kill, and he's he's very much like Leon the Professional. You know, no women, no children. He only kills bad guys. Yep. And he's basically saying, you know, that brain you ate, he wasn't a good dude, and I needed him, and you need people, too. Yeah. We're also introduced to a group of sorority vampires who run a, a paint shop. Or a paint, uh, paint the gun, paintball. paintball. That's the word. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Well, you gotta find a way to find blood. Yeah. No, I like their idea, and I like I like it at first when you first meet them. It makes it seem like they're picking off different customers and killing them. Yeah. But it's revealed, I think, in volume two, that really their business model is to just drain enough from multiple victims. To yeah. survive, but they don't actually kill anybody. Exactly. And that one of their members went AWOL or went um Off went rogue. Went rogue, I believe is what they kept saying. And um she was actually hunting people in the city, which got the attention of a group of monster hunters. Which and, is never good when your group is monsters. Or when Eugene, Oregon is populated by apparently nothing but different various types of monsters. <laughs> exactly. So that's not going to end well. Again, it's Sunnydale. I'm telling you. Yes, the book is so much more Sunnydale <laughs> yeah. than the TV show, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. Um. So, yeah. So then at, I think at the end of Volume 1, Gwen meets one of... The monster hunters, whose name I can't remember right now, because they both have very strange names. I don't remember his name. Anyway, so she meets him, and they kind of, like, hit it off right away. Yeah. And so, you know, they're setting the stage early on for the tension of monster falls for monster hunter and vice versa. Yeah. Okay, so, volume two. What happens? Where do we go? The, I know the rogue vamp, the vi- vampire that went rogue... I think her her group or clan or whatever you want to call it tried to off her and she was revived by a lady who looks disturbingly similar to the Bride of Frankenstein. Hey, listen. Remember that goth street cred I was talking about? I don't think there's anything disturbing about the way the Bride of Frankenstein looked (laughs) or the way this lady looks. They're both gorgeous. Oh, no. She's beautiful. I just don't know if that's where they're going with that. Like, I couldn't quite tell. 
specifically say Bride of Frankenstein. Yeah, they had. Yeah, they had. Like, a, that had a very a or something. Yeah, but that had wait, a very classic look. But um, you get more of the backstory of Scott and Ellie, the Were Terrier and the Ghost. Mm-hmm. 60s ghost, which I love that she's from the 60s because I, that's one of the things I liked about this book a lot when I first picked it up was the kind of retro-y art style. Oh, yeah. Holy the- shit. How did we make it 20 minutes into this podcast and not even mention who made this thing? <laughs> so the author is Chris Robertson. And the artist is like Michael Allred. Michael Allred, who is He's the main guy, fucking phenomenal. He's a phenomenal artist. Like oh, yeah. I want my house just filled with his artwork. I want my body filled with tattoos based on his artwork. <laughs> he is so good. I love this book. I love his current run on Silver Surfer. Well, and he actually also did. He drew and designed the opening credits for the series. Yes, for the series. he did. And that, like, I hadn't read this book yet, but I knew, I know his art style. And yeah. so when I saw, like, that was the thing, like, the the opening scene for the fir- for the very, for the pilot episode of iZombie, I was like, okay, this is an okay show. Mm-hmm. I'm already invested because I love Veronica Mars and this is the Veronica Mars people. <laughs> yeah. So you've already got, you've already got at least 20 minutes of my time. Yeah. But then when the credits came on and I saw it was his art, I was like, okay, I'm here. You've got me. You've got me. <laughs> but, yeah, that, okay. I love the art. Yeah, the art. Again, ties in with the whole 60s ghost thing. And real quick, I read this. I guess I'll give a shout-out real quick. I was planning on doing this later, but I'll do it right now. Um, I read both Volume 1 and 2 using a library service called Hoopla. Hoopla works in many different libraries. Many different libraries have contracts with Hoopla. And one of their newest features from, I think, sometime last year they released it, is they have a deal with mainly DC, but they also have some others with like Image and some other smaller press to have graphic novels. They have a wonderful graphic novel collection. So check with your local library to see if they use Hoopla. And if they do use Hoopla, make sure that they have signed on to get the graphic novels. If not, pressure your local librarians to do so. Tell them Josh Stone said you need to. If they say, who the hell is that? Say, for shame. And, <laughs> and um, yeah, definitely do that. So what I was going to say, the reason I said this now and not later toward the end, is because of how much I love Michael Allred's art. I was pretty. I was reading this on my iPad and pretty much just screenshotting like everything (laughs) i'm like i don't know i'm gonna need this later i feel like i'm gonna need this i'm gonna need this later so i just kept screenshotting like so much gorgeous artwork so that's why i'm telling up talking about that now okay so what happens in volume two um so bride of frankenstein lady revives there we go the vampire yes um you got a lot more of the backstory of the were terrier and ellie <laughs> Those are that's a fun story with the weird Terry. Which is adorable. And then what else? Oh yeah, her brain the brain that she ate that that volume. Mm, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Belonged to her childhood friend's mom. Yes. So she starts Which, was, which yes. is what made her realize that she was forgetting some of her past. Mm-hmm. What made Amon? Is his name Amon? The yes. other mm-hmm. the other zombie guy? Yeah. Uh, her mentor yes mentor which is what made him kind of give her this whole speech of there's a better way to do this and Mm. you're gonna have to trust me on this so and she's now have to make a choice of whether she trusts him or not enough to start eating more brains yes yes because yeah she definitely realized very early on that oh because she kept seeing visions of herself and then spoiler alert Toward the end, she sees a vision of some, somebody that she thinks is her best her was her friend's brother, but then finds out it was actually her brother, and she forgot yeah. that she even had a brother. Yeah. So. Yeah. Gavin. Gavin, yes. Yeah. Gavin Rosdale. Who? A love interest of the Were Terrier. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, interesting. <laughs> That's cute. Adorable. I uh, love it. Love it. I love this book. I can't wait to finish it. 
All of the volumes are on Hoopla, by the way, another plug. Also, if anyone from Hoopla is listening, I'm not opposed to a sponsorship deal, you know? Because <laughs> exactly. I'm telling you right now, I'm probably going to be, re- you know, some of these book clubs that Angel and I are going to be doing are probably going to utilize books that are on Hoopla and, you know, throw a couple bucks my way and I'll I'll say Hoopla ten more times. Hoopla all day, every day. Hoopla Digital is in the house. Okay, so Volume 1 and 2 are really good. I think from my perspective, I thought Volume 1 was a little better than Volume 2. Volume 2 seemed like there were too many things going on at one time. Yeah. But it was also because they were throwing in, I think, little short stories or little short vignettes that they did somewhere else of um, Scott's background. Yeah. And they also threw in at the end a little special comic of um, that the guy who did um, Love and Rockets drew for them as well. It was like a little special edition what was it for it was for a character they made up it was like a little peanuts version of some other character they talk about in the book sometimes so it felt a little a little schizophrenic every now and then a little disjointed yes disjointed is a much better word thank you no then so yeah so i was a little i was a little put off by that but the main the main plots you know the main plot in volume two was was very good and it did move the story more and it did make me definitely want to read the rest of the series. So, so yeah, I would highly recommend this. Yes. Would you? I would highly recommend it. Okay, so. Obviously, do not expect what you're getting from the TV series. Do not, no. In the graphic novel, because it's not the same It's at not all. the same at all. Um, right in its own right. It's just not the same. Yeah, and if you're a librarian listening to this, this is a great series to have in your library. However, for some reason, if you can't procure it through your usual means, it is worth looking into getting Hoopla. I feel like I'm already sponsored by them. Anyway, (laughs) Hoopla has this series as well as many other classic DC and Vertigo collections. They have the entire Sandman run. They have Dark Knight Returns run. They have some, you know, really big important graphic novels that pertain to the flash pretty much anything they have some suicide squad books on there pretty much anything that's about to be turned into a movie or tv show or has already been done is on here especially if it's a dc property another another heads up for any librarians listening looking for you know collection development ideas it's worth getting if you have hoopla but you don't have the graphic novel portion of it yet they have the entire run of preacher as well, which will be really? a, yes, which will be an AMC show pretty soon. Sometime this year, I believe it's premiering, so it's worth getting on that bandwagon now because you're going to probably be getting a lot of requests for preacher books. So, just a heads up to any librarians or collection development people listening: Hoopla is a really decent service. It might not meet what your needs, so definitely look into it. Since I'm not sponsored for for them. I'm not going to say you have to buy it. You know, if if Hoopla wants me to say it's a must own, then <laughs> I can be I I can't be bought but I can be rented. Yes. So, you know, that's all I'm saying about that. All right, so that's the end of my Hoopla pitch. Definitely get on that if you're a local library user. You know, Angel and I highly recommend getting books from your local comic shop. Yes. However, if you want to try out a new book, the local library is also a great way to go. So ask your local library if they have Hoopla. It is a good service to have. Also ask them if they have iZombie on their shelves because it's amazing. Yeah. All right. So that's a, that's about the book. Angel, I came to the book series through the TV show. You did not. I did not. I was opposite. You were OG iZombie. <laughs> Which is awesome. So let's talk about the TV show. How do you feel as somebody who started in the book and who loved the book when it was being published? How do you feel about the TV show? Tell me your thoughts on the TV show. I love the TV show. 
And it's one of those, I think I've said it before in previous podcasts, I have to separate the TV show and the comic series like I do with Walking Dead. Mm. Because, yeah, there are some parts that are similar, but for the most part, they're, I have to believe they're two separate worlds. They really are. Well, I mean, one is set in Oregon, the other is set in Seattle, Washington. True, exactly. <laughs> so, but I love the TV show. I love the TV show. It's phenomenal. It's really well done. It's really well written. Um, and the characters are all likable. Because that's my problem with a lot of um, comic series lately, is that it's hard to find a character you attach to. Like, uh, not to get off too much of on a tangent. God, we got plenty of time. Dude, we are, we are so good on time right now. <laughs> I should start doing this podcast slightly inebriated more often. <laughs> Supergirl is my pet peeve right now. Um, oh yeah, you want to take a you want to take a let's take a left hand turn. I have not watched Supergirl yet, uh, so okay. go ahead. You tell the tell the people what's going on with Supergirl, and from your perspective, which is a perspective that should be listened to in terms of Supergirl. Yeah. Please tell us how you feel about the show. So, number one, my first intro to Supergirl was the movie way back in the day, and. It quickly became my favorite movie ever. <laughs> I loved it. It was fantastic. It was one of my favorite movies when I was a kid. And so when they announced that they were doing Supergirl, and it was the same people who have done Arrow and Flash so far, I was super excited. Like, crazy excited. Because I love Arrow. I love the Flash even more. And I was like, oh, it can only go up from here. First couple episodes of Supergirl go pretty well. I enjoyed them. After that, though, you have a really hard time liking Supergirl. Why is that? Really, she just becomes super whiny, and everything is a woe is me thing, and it's like she's more of a teenager than an adult. Well, she and is she not a teenager, though? No, she's supposed to be mid like early to mid-20s. Is that not a teenager in 2016, though? This is true. Sure. Do I need to get on that soapbox? It's not. It's not a teenager, in my opinion. <laughs> I get. Well, I'm, that's. I mean, I've. I know. I know what you're saying. It's um, just those things where it's like, you have to start to take some kind of, like, initiative, and especially if you're, you know, your cousin is Superman. Your cousin is Superman. None of this stuff is a surprise to you. Like, was and was she not sent to actually protect him? Yeah. Is she not like so in theory she's she should be more responsible than him. Yeah. She got stuck kind of in outer space. And let's be honest, it's easy to be more responsible than the movie version of Superman who just murdered an entire city. (laughs) Exactly. But that's neither here nor there. With no regard. With um, no regard. Yeah. So and the, the the first thing in the first episode, one of the things that hooked me was that her mom is played by the original Supergirl from the movie. Oh, they are yeah. so these people. Who is it? Greg Verlanti and who, who are who, these people who make Arrow and the Flash and yeah. Legends of? They are so fucking good at that. Oh, I'm sorry. My podcast is now being like actually promoted on different like library like areas. <laughs> so I'm tr- I'm trying to curtail the amount of times I curse. However, I have to keep reminding myself that there's a reason I'm doing this podcast on my own and not looking for, like, branding from any local libraries. Yeah. Because I can't help myself but cursing. But anyway, yeah. it. it yeah. I forgot even what I was going to say. Go ahead. Keep talking about Supergirl. So, yeah. Supergirl. So, one of the things that got me into it was that in the first episode, it's the original Supergirl. Oh, that's what I was saying. Yeah, they're so good at that because the guy who plays the Flash's dad is the guy who played the Flash in the 90s TV show. Yeah, exactly. Well, and her dad in – it's um, Eliza and Jeremiah Danvers are the parents, the Earth parents of the girl. That's cool. Um, And Jeremiah Danvers, the dad, is played by Dean Cain. Who was? Are you kidding me? That's so funny. Lois Clark. <laughs> That's so funny. It I, was amazing. I used to love that show when I was younger. Yeah, and so it was really cool because they had Jimmy Olsen come in, who was 
a good a good age range. What I thought, who is uh, played by, uh, his name is McCade Brooks. I think he was Doesn't the only thing I've seen him in before this was um, True Blood. He played Egg. Uh, uh, I only I was forced to watch the first season of True Blood many moons ago. Yeah, and so I don't really know anything else about True Blood. But anyway, he's an, he's a cool actor. He's really good at what he does. He the cast is great. The problem is then trying to attach yourself to the cast because Jimmy Olsen becomes super whiny. Mm-hmm. Um, Alex is Kara's Earth older sister, mm-hmm. and she's crazy protective and doesn't want her to come out as Supergirl. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she has this co-worker who also has a crush on her it's super obvious but Kara obviously is oblivious I'm so tired of that trope man right like it's pretty easy especially when you're an adult it's pretty easy to realize when somebody's like digging on you yeah especially if you work with them all day yeah you see them especially in that profession you see them more than eight hours a day like and of course Supergirl has a crush on Jimmy Olsen which is weird because he's like her cousin's best friend and way older. Like, not way, but enough that if you're acting like a whiny teenager, you don't need to be dating 30-something-year-old Jimmy Olsen. Yeah. So, hmm. my one How's... my one love of the show is the person you're supposed to, I think, kind of love to hate, who's Cat Grant. She runs the paper. Oh, I was about and... to ask, how's Ally McBeal doing on the show? She's the best part of the show. <laughs> She's the best part of the show. <laughs> That's it's, funny. Yeah. That's awesome. But yeah, that's my tangent about Supergirl. It's but how really, did you feel about, spoiler alert, how did you feel about um, Martian Manhunter coming on? How was that? How did they handle that? He, he I loved. I've mm-hmm. liked how they've de- dealt with it. <clears throat> the thing I don't like is that, and I've complained with my husband about this like multiple times now, I feel like they're throwing every villain that Supergirl has ever dealt with in every comic series into the first series, uh, the first season. My fear, I had that same fear. Sorry. Go ahead. No, I just don't know where they're going to go from there. Yeah. Like, I don't know what you think you're going to do with it now. Like, yeah, I had that same fear with season one of The Flash. Because, like, you had Weather, Weather Wizard. I mean, in the same season, you had Weather Wizard and Captain Cold. Like, it's almost the same fucking thing. Well, and the thing is, like... I don't... And then, and then plus they had the trickster. They had, the, you know, reverse Flash. They had, like, everything... They threw the kitchen sink at it. Yeah. But it was damn good. And season two is proving to be pretty damn good, too. Oh, season two's awesome. So... <clears throat> so but yeah, they have, like... They have Reactron. They've got uh, her aunt who escaped, escaped from the Kryptonian prison. Mm-hmm. She, they've got um, Livewire comes in. Um... Bizarro, yeah. They, this last episode was Bizarro Supergirl. Yeah, I heard about Sorry, that. I wasn't. Yeah. Um, it's just it's it's too much being. Oh well, and the hint for the next one is the um the the star face sucker thing that I never remember. The name oh of. yeah, I don't know what those are called. But yeah, it's like I don't I don't need every bad guy villain whatever challenge thrown in the first season. Like if you, it doesn't have to be villain of the week. It can mm-hmm. be villain of like the month or yeah. Arc. I mean, yeah, they can. You can do an arc with a villain. Yeah, like I'm too fine. many shows do that right now. Like the flat. Like that's the one thing. If I had one criticism, and this is really hard, one criticism of the Flash, which, man, it sounds like what a what a jerk thing to say because <laughs> it's such a good show. But um, one criticism I would have is too often the villains are one and done. Yeah. And then the main villain just kind of, like, is their main arc. You know, they have one main villain that arcs through the whole season. And then they have all these one-off villains for the rest of the ep- for the rest of the season. I feel like you can get some mileage out of, like, a villain coming back for, like, the next episode at least, you know? Like, I don't know. Well, and I thought it was lame that they basically conned John Jones into... Cause- Cat Grant, who is played by Allie McBeal. Yes, please. Uh, please only refer to these people as how I would know them. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Allie McBeal starts to think that Supergirl is her is Kara. 
like that is the same person that is her oh so there's actually a good journalist in this yeah in this show so okay. she starts to put two and two together and she thinks that Kara is Supergirl which she's right but Kara does not want her to obviously know that she is Supergirl so she and Big Sister get John Jones to shapeshift into Supergirl because he can fly yeah. so they con John Jones into being Supergirl so Kara and Supergirl can be in the same room in front of Ally McBeal that's not a I don't know. I don't feel like that's a bad storyline. But when like, you it's a, introduce John Jones as this awesome yeah. Martian warrior, and, and then, now he's in Supergirl's spandex outfit. I feel like you're being a little sexist there, Angel. I'm going to be honest with you. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, no, I see. To me, it's a way more original way of of displacing those those doubts that a character would have. Yeah. Than I've seen before, you know, like at least they tried something. The Flash doesn't even try. Oh no! Like the Flash is like you don't care. <laughs> he's like either people don't know who should know yeah. because like girlfriend he, because he's like really weird. Yeah, and like I'm sorry, I've you know I've dated you know I'm I'm not the I haven't dated tons of women in my life, but I've dated pl- a few, and uh-huh. I'm. I'm not, like, I'm a pretty, I've been a fucking asshole in my life. You know, like, I've never been like, listen, my life is just complicated. Like, <laughs> like if, you're, if you live in a city where there's a superhero and you're dating a guy who's never around. <laughs> when said superhero shows up. And and then like just never around in general, and also never happens to be around when the superhero is, or is around, and then something bad happens, and then it's like I gotta go for a minute, yeah. and like is gone, and then on top of that keeps telling you things like, listen, my life's just really complicated. I don't I don't know how to you know like I don't know how to really open up to. Be- he's the superhero. I got yep. I got news for you. It's not just that he's being coy. It's not just that he's super deep. He's the hero. Of the city, and you should just <laughs> go ahead and call him out on it. Yeah, because I think Bruce Wayne is the only character that successfully handles the Cape Crusader. And even that, I don't like. He even hand- that's not that great at it. <laughs> he handles it only because very they don't really ever show much of his playboy lifestyle. Yeah. So, like, as viewers and readers, we tend to be more like, "Oh, it's Batman and Bruce Wayne." Is just sleeping in the day. Yeah. <laughs> like, like we tend to think of him more of a vampire than, yeah. than anything else. Oh yeah. But anyway, I think we're what we're here to talk about. Oh yeah, I Zombie. I Zombie TV show. So you you came to it from the book, and so you you enjoyed it right away. Like, was there a bit of a like? How did you feel when you were watching that pilot episode? Again, I was drawn in at the art. Uh-huh. That was a lot of it for me at first. Um, but I really, I, and again, I kind of, as soon as they said her name was Liv, I was like, oh, so this is not the same at all. So. (laughs) Okay. So again, another show that's hard for me to critique because I really do love it. I became a a cable cord cutter not too long ago. Uh Uh-huh. And since the, since that's happened, I've realized I don't care about as many TV shows as I thought I did. And the only one that I, there's two shows that I pretty much do keep up on now it's the flash and i zombie yeah. so it's really hard for me to critique either one of them because i love them and i watch them every week or at mo at worst every other week i'll catch up yeah. so the one thing though that i hate about i zombie is she's called live more yeah and her ex-fiance on again off again boyfriend <laughs> is named major lily white <laughs> What the hell kind of naming is that? I don't even know. And I can't pronounce Rob, Robbie's last name. I don't even know if I ever heard it. What's I don't even know what his last name is. It it looks like Chakra Bart Barty. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I don't know. Alright, we're gonna take a pause in the recording right now because there's something going on in my house I need to take care of. We'll be right back. Okay. <laughs>
All right, dog situation has been taken care of, and I've used that time to get myself another another brewski. All right, <laughs> so there's that. Okay, so where were we? We were talking about oh the terrible the names. Awful names. Uh-huh. We're talking about the awful names. But aside from that, I mean, not every character. Just I would say just those two. Those two have the worst names. Yeah. Of any character on television. Yeah. Like holy god, are those bad names? Like. Well, and if you didn't gather she's a zombie by Liv Moore, I mean, really? Really? It's also, like, two on the nose. Just knock it off, man. Yeah. Anyway, so the show has been really good. What have been, as a book as um, a, a book reader, you've read the entire series, what have been some of your your thoughts on the TV show? Like, I, I really appreciate the relationship she has with Ravi. Oh, I love those two. Emmy guy um because she's kind of got a confidant in him mm-hmm. as well as kind of a moral compass <laughs> what i love about that relationship need a moral compass yes yeah. what i love what about I- that relationship is that it's not romantic at all it's yeah, a strictly it's a- platonic relationship yeah and there's not enough of that on tv in my in my opinion no what i liked a lot about 30 Rock was the platonic relationship between Liz Lemon and and Jack. And I yeah. don't think there's enough of that on TV. And and as somebody who's grown up with a lot of female friends, somebody who just doesn't just want to fuck every woman he knows, I, I appreciate that in television, actually portraying male-female relationships as what they tend to be more often than not is just people who like each other and don't necessarily need to be romantically involved. Yeah. So that is one of the, to me, one of the strongest things about iZombie thus far. And one of the reasons I will forgive it any other minor transgressions it has every now and then is because the relationship that Liv has, not just with Ravi, it's not just one character. She also has that same similar relationship with um the the cop babino five yeah so to me that that's like okay you hey good job on one relationship oh good job on two relationships how about that you know so that was pretty good i i do like that about the show yeah so real quick here i know we're we're probably i don't know what we've had to stop and go with recording a couple of times here, so <laughs> i don't really know what our total runtime is right now but before I forget, I want to talk about one of the latest episodes. It was the episode involving the librarian. Ah, uh, yeah. This is Librarians Assemble, by the way. So <laughs> I feel like it's within my right to discuss this issue, this episode. Um, first of all, how amazing was it? I that, liked it. That oh. Veronica Mars was in it yeah. <laughs> for a couple minutes. Kristen Bell had a little cameo one of the things i love was when she picked up so the the premise of that that this particular episode is a librarian is murdered um live her whole her whole thing is she eats people's brains in order to help solve unsolved murders so she eats this woman's brain and she finds out that this person this librarian was not just a librarian but she was also an erotic novelist and writer yeah (laughs) so she has that so she finds out more about this woman's book that she has coming out and it turns out that the audiobook is being read by Kristen bell yeah and so there is a little scene where where Liv finds that out and she's like oh Kristen bell i've always felt a certain spiritual connection to her which i thought was hilarious since her character is pretty much a zombie version of Veronica Mars. <laughs> so I thought that was pretty fun. Um, I will say, and I know I'm not alone because I saw some people on Twitter say this. I will say that I'm very disappointed in the trope of quote unquote sexy librarian. Yeah. It's a little tired. It's really overplayed and out like just overdone at this point. And so when Liv eats a person's brain, she takes on parts of their their 
personality as well as some of their like flashes of their memory. Yeah. So Liv was more sexual than she tends to be and yeah. way more flirtatious and way more um, just bold as far as her, her sexuality goes. So whenever she would do something or flirt with one of the people that she doesn't generally flirt with, she would be like, oh, oh, I'm so sorry. It's sexy librarian brain. It's the sexy librarian brain, brain yeah. I'm on. She kept saying sexy librarian. However, the it wasn't sexy librarian brain you were on. You were on erotic novelist brain. Like, <laughs> like you had yeah. the out already. Like, you had the ability within your grasp to not play into your stereotypical porno theme and actually say no no this woman had a whole different life outside of the library her role as a librarian didn't define her she defined herself more as a novelist especially this type of novel this this erotic novel so to me every time she was like oh it's this sexy librarian brain i'm on it it really was like it was really overdone because like that's not that's not the brain you're on Liv. Yeah. Like, she didn't say any. Like, if she was like, oh, man, the Dewey Decimal System really gets me turned on, <laughs> then I would be like, oh, that's sexy librarian brain. You yeah. know? Or, like, so that that I had some issue with. But overall, I like the episode. I like that the past few episodes have been pretty, like, for – I'm an English major, but I'm also a little tired right now. So, for lack of a better term, meta – they they've been you know they've been really meta fiction and like you know oh Veronica or Kristen Bell I've always felt connected to her like there's been little things like that there was an episode not too long ago where her favorite TV show is called Zombie High and she yeah. had to go on set for that and she like somebody said one of the cat one of the people playing a zombie was like man I wish they would make a show where the zombie was the main character which I thought was really funny there's also a part where like the show. The show is supposed to be set in Portland, Oregon, but they film in Seattle, which is funny because this show is set in Seattle, but they film in in Vancouver. I am. So like they're the show has been getting a little more tongue in cheek with the audience in that manner. And I, I really appreciated that. But for me, as somebody who came to the series, having not read the book first, like I said earlier, the opening credits with with Michael Allred's art was a like a deal sealer for me it was like oh okay you're paying homage to this property i i dig that and i love this guy's art so that's really fun and the fact that it's so much like veronica mars like voiceover mystery of the week overarching mystery that she has to solve but it takes all the things that a 31 year old like myself who loved veronica mars when i was just leaving high school when it came out like, I can relate more to to iZombie now than I can to Veronica Mars because I'm not a high schooler. But yeah. but Liv and her friends, they're all adults. So, like, I get that because when I, re- I rewatched Veronica Mars last year, I believe it was. I, I rewatched all three seasons. And the entire time I'm like, just talk to your dad, man. Just go talk to your dad. Just tell your dad what you're doing, you know, like. It, that's my problem trying to watch shows that I loved as a high schooler now that are set in high school. Like, just talk to your parents. They understand. It was one of those things where I've I've learned that I'm older and especially, I mean, you've already now had experience as a parent, but mm-hmm. I'm going into this. Yeah, you're about to get this. And it's one of those things where I've come to relate to the parents in TV shows and movies and books I know. more and more. And I'm like, oh my God. I'm an old person. I'm an old person. I know. Like, I don't same, understand why these kids are doing this. Stuff. I know. The same thing happened whenever I, like, because I'm, I guess I'm technically in a, a Buffy rewatch still. I kind of took a break. I'm somewhere yeah. in season four, I think, of Buffy again. But as I've been watching it, like, especially those early seasons, I'm like, just talk to your damn mother. Exactly. Like, what I what I do appreciate about Buffy, though. Mom was cool too. She was, but in those first like two seasons, Buffy's mom wasn't really all that interested in in doing anything with Buffy out, you know, like Yeah. You know, she was also trying to set herself back up. So I thought that was pretty um I thought that was pretty a pretty good way of 
deflecting the whole um just talk to your parent thing you know like your parents will understand but it's one of those things that like man as a teenager it made such sense that like yeah you can't tell your parent that they've just you know parents just don't understand but See, I was a nerd, and my dad was my best friend when I was in high school. Oh, I had you, you know me, man. My dad and my grandma have been my best friends, like, forever. So it was one of those things where it was like, I never understood my friends that were like, oh, we gotta hide this from our, fr- our parents. Mm-hmm. The only thing I ever hid from my grandma, she found out, like, literally two days later. And <laughs> more disappointed that I didn't just tell her the truth in the I first know, right? That's how my mom always was, too. Go hang out with your boyfriend. You should have just said that. Like, you don't have to tell me you're going to Katie's. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Katie. Is it the Katie I think it is? It is. Katie, what's up, girl? <laughs> anyway. Oh, she's doing so good right now. I'm so I'm so happy for her. All our friends are doing awesome. Now. We have some friends that really turned out okay, right? Oh yeah. Hell, right. Good. Shout out shout out to all of Angel and I's high school friends. Y'all are doing really good. We're all we're we're very proud of all of you. Yes. Even the ones we disagree with socially and politically. You're still doing <laughs> yeah. you're still doing really well and I'm still proud of you nonetheless. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. So parents, man. Yeah, I, I was in the same boat growing up. Like I was an only child and from a single mother. So like, my whole life, I'm like, yeah, man. Like I get my mom. You know, like my mom and I are, are close. We're you know, like I she's got my back. She was always there for me. Like I never, like very rarely was I ever resentful toward my mom. Like yeah. obviously there were times because I was a teenager that I was a complete shithead, but. Yeah. But even then, even as that kind of person, I could see in TV shows how you would be like, no, we got to be secret about this. You know, it was like it it made a little bit more sense as an 18, 17, 16 year old than it does as a 25 to 35 year old. We're like, bro, just talk to you. Like, talk to your parents. Like, especially now when you realize like their parents were probably 35, 45, somebody between 35 and 45 years old. They're our age. They're like they're cool, man. They they're not so far removed no. that they are not going to understand what you're dealing with. Like exactly. anyway, so that's one of the things I do appreciate about Eye Zombie is it's got all those mystery and all the the love triangle and all all the the hallmarks of a good teen drama without yeah. any of the damn teenagers. Which I would gotta say, I really want Liv and Major to just end up together and be done with it. Oh my god, I hate them. I hate <laughs> them as a couple. I do, but I don't. I like, I miss I miss <laughs> Rockstar Zombie. I miss Rockstar Zombie. Oh, too. I can't even tell you how uh, pissed. A spoiler. I can't even tell you how pissed off I was when he died in season I'm one. So angry. Oh <laughs> my fucking god! Like, like I. I can't remember the last time I ever was that like upset with a TV show where I was like, you son of a bitch. Like I was so <laughs> mad that they did that. See, for me, my, my part of my, my, Oh my God, what the hell are you doing? TV series for I zombie for season one was again, spoiler. When you find out that I don't remember his name, the head detective, the Asian guy. Oh yeah. 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 What was his name? God, I forget his name, but yeah, that was a good reveal. That was a pretty good reveal, and it did. But it was one of those. What the hell is happening right now? And it was one of those things, though, that was really well done. Like at first, you're like, "Oh God, everyone's is everyone a zombie?" But it, it was a good. It was a good place, though, because it helped explain why Liv was able to get away with everything she was able to get away with in that police department. Exactly. It doesn't quite explain it anymore now that he. Spoiler alert is no longer with us. Yeah. But what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? So that probably puts us at time. Yeah. So I Zombie, the TV show, the book, phenomenal. Check Suzuki. them both out. Sorry. Hmm? What were you gonna say? Randomly remembered his name. It's Suzuki. Suzuki, that's right. <laughs> good good job. Yeah. Good pool. <laughs> Very well done. I'm getting alerts here. I'm sure by the time everyone sees this or, re- or listens to this, everyone will know this already. But I'm getting alerts here and I'm seeing on my television that Donald Trump is the projected winner of the New Hampshire primary and Bernie Sanders is the projected winner from the Democrat side. Yeah. So regardless of how you feel about that, good, good for you or I'm sorry for your loss. <laughs> um, 
people who know me know how I feel about this. There's a reason I'm drinking while doing this podcast. Um, <laughs> you know, whatevs. There, it is what it is. It is what it is. It's a long race. It's a long race to November. See, I can't wait. Well, I listen, I Angel. Election to be over. Listen, <laughs> listen, Angel. You're bring, mantra every time. You're bringing a child into this world now. It's time for you to care about these things. It's time to, for you to be more involved. You have a stake in this now. I hate to sound like a 1950s housewife, but I truly... Please I, don't say what you're about. I let Chris deal with the you, policy. Are you, you, he, breaks it, he breaks it down for me into like... You son of a bitch. Two, the two main... Like, I don't pay any attention until it's the two... The two nominees. And he will break it down for me as to where both of them stand. I okay. make my decision based Li- on that. All right, for for those listening at home <laughs> who know this podcast as a feminist friendly, female friendly podcast, in the boat, <laughs> and who are like, what the hell is Josh letting happen on his podcast right now? Yeah. For the record, it's okay. Angel's not she she makes up her own mind. She didn't say Chris tells her who to vote for. No, but Chris breaks this stuff down. He's also a lawyer. Yeah, he he's very much involved in this kind of stuff. More involved in it than I am. So, it, it you know from that level, you can see how it would be beneficial for her to get that kind of information from somebody in the know. Exactly. We actually all should be so lucky to have somebody like that in our lives. Well, and I just don't have. I don't need the blood pressure spike. <laughs> I'm, I'm not. Have, I'm not gonna lie, man. Last week, I think it was the week before, there was one night. I'm not even sure if this will make it onto the podcast. So <laughs> there was one night that I stayed up till 2 a.m. reading and saving to my reading list on on my phone all these articles, uh, like all these positive articles about the per, the candidate I support mm-hmm. to use as a shield from your wife. From yeah, not just yeah, not just my wife and. <laughs> And every it seems like everyone I know, but yeah, pretty much to shield myself from everyone I know as to why I'm supporting the particular person I'm supporting and uh-huh. not and not the vogue candidate that everyone else is supporting. <laughs> Nobody but, can tell who you're supporting at all. I know, so right? I'm, I'm masking it so well. Anyway, if this does make it onto podcast, that's not to say I don't like the vote candidate or don't support him in general oh look at me just giving away completely listen i like bernie sanders i do (laughs) i like him i like his ideas i think he's a great 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 politician and a great candidate i love hillary clinton and i can't help it you can't help who you love okay a right world i can't help it all right, so that's probably not making it into the podcast. But if it does, hey, what a way to go out. So you can – I didn't say it in the top of the uh, the top of the hour. So make sure you visit our website. We're at librariansassemble.com. Follow us on Facebook, just facebook.com slash librariansassemble. We're on Twitter at Assemble Podcast. Angel, where can they find you on the Twitter? Uh, it is AngelCakes1138. There you go, AngelCakes1138. Work at a comic book shop. So. You are a cake maker and a comic shop. Listen, you have a lot of talents, and we appreciate all of them. Um, <laughs> if you like the show, please, please, please rate, review, subscribe wherever you listen to the show. I cannot stress enough how important it is. It is very important. It's almost as important as voting for your candidate that you love the most. It's <laughs> it's, it's very similar to that. Um, I guess I have to keep in the Hillary part now because I'm doing all this important stuff right after my yeah. Hillary thing. Anyway, I'll keep it on. I keep everything in. I, I'm whatever. Um, so yeah, that's how you can find us again. Oh, if you want to email, if you want to be a guest on the show, if you have any questions, any comments, anything you want to talk about, you can email the show. It's librariansassemble at gmail.com. As always, I am very pleased and honored that Angel can take some time out of her very busy life to talk comics with us always thank you so much we will i don't know what our next book will be so check 
Twitter and Facebook, we will let you know what our next book club choice will be. It might not have a, med- a clever little media tie-in like it does now, but who knows? It might. So this has been Josh. Angel, say goodbye to the people. Have a lovely evening, people. All right. See you all in two weeks. Take care.